2: With Blaine Bishop and Mickey Ryan on 1045 The Zone.
3: Woo! Blaine and Mickey 1045 The Zone.
0: Bengals week.
1: It has not been a pleasant week in recent weeks when the Mm -hmm. Titans have played the Bengals. Yeah, that's. Coach Max said, I said, the bumbling bingles. It don't mean that they're bad. It's <laughs> just that that's what I call them, yes, the bumbling well, once bingles. Once upon a time, nobody bungled like the bingles. Yeah, it's not about where they're at today. That's, hey, man, these dudes are legit. Hell, it just shows you what happens when you draft the right quarterback, doesn't it, Blaine? Oh, isn't that funny? Man, how- he's a oh, you know, he's, that funny how like, that works People out. laugh at me, but I would take him over my holes. And I, I know that sounds crazy, but I've said that before. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like him that much. I just... I uh, think he's got this air of confidence about him that is, uh, you know, all the players kind of feed off of. So, yeah. You saw him playing that game? Yeah, had no business playing that game. No? They protected like they put a wall in front of him. You see yeah. that? Yes. Oh, man, that was incredible. But speaking of walls and things that are incredible, well, these are the guys who were a no-show today at practice via injury, I'm sure, by Jim Wyatt. Not spotted at practice. Peter Skoronsky. Tier Tart, Elijah Molden, oh, Luke Gifford, and Anthony Kendo. Okay, so far
3: that's per Jimmy White, and right under that, Teresa Walker has a video, and it says, "Here's Titans receiver Traylon Burks today with his left leg wrapped
1: heavily." Yeah, I told you he had that, that strip tape last week, and I, I don't, I don't think, I think uh, him and Fulton are both playing, you know, hurt. Nobody ever say that probably till the after the season. Mm-hmm. So they're not at a hundred percent, you know, and, and then we're talking about leg injury when actually what you do for a living is running wide receiver and, and quarterback. quarterback. So, and you know, you could be 85, but when you're out on that Island out there is a little different than uh, if you were a safety or maybe a tight end, see comparable positions, but you're still a receiver. So yeah, I, I think it's affecting me. You may not have that, uh, Extra bursts, or may get fatigued, or is weak, and uh, so it could be affecting his performance. Or because he's had some dropsies every time he feels a when he plants, he oh, and then that ball right there, oh my knee, but oh, their balls there, and I dropped it. Yeah, <laughs> this goes on, and no one talks about it, and so you have to kind of mentally block out the pain and and be secure in where you're at. With your injury, and it's hard, by the way, to do, especially when you're talking about a leg injury. You got to believe that your leg will do what it's supposed to do without getting worse. And we, we talk about practice and all that, but practice is not the same as, as as a game. Yeah, as you heard me say many eons ago and many times, the type of speed and pressure you're putting on your your body during a game is totally different. So. Uh, applaud him, but guess what? Nobody cares, as yeah. I always say. Yeah. Nobody cares. Once you line up in between those lines, man, on game day, fans, teammates, coaches, no, d- perform. You're good enough to play and dress. Nobody cares if you're 80% of that, that's in your head that your knee is not quite right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough, but he's doing it. So maybe that's some of the issues with those two players, and that's just me talking out loud on my part who are neither one of them are on the not practicing, right? They are practicing. Uh, but are they at the level they need to, to perform at a high level, you know, at this point in time or uh, during the season with, you know, and still with their injuries still probably healing to a certain mm-hmm. extent, just not all the way healed. And you keep taking steps back as you move forward as the week goes on, but then your knee is kind of staying the same or whatever the injury hamstring or whatever it is. sled in there, but he's, you know, people can say, oh, well, he made a seven yard. Guess what? He was just running straight, though. See? Now, when he had to extend and dive, maybe he shouldn't have had to stand and dive. Maybe he should have just kept on running. He was healthy, see? So, he's still producing, but then you say, why are these drops? When he didn't have the drops, he's last year.
3: Well, the other thing, too, and you would know this because you were running mirror of what they were doing. The torque you put on your body to run routes. Oh, my. Ooh. To have that much, especially somebody Burke's size, yeah. but anybody's size, to have that much torque in your knees and your feet and your ankles and your hips to turn your body into whiplash like they do, if you're not 100%, your body's going to tell you, ow, that, that, it, we ain't ready for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And that could be right why where he diving before a catch. <laughs> well, ow, hey, dude, my knee's not right. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, nope, nobody cares. You dropped it. I can think of the Saints game. I can think of uh even in the last game, Browns game would drop. Yeah, yeah. So, so but no, it hit both of your paws and they big paws. Yeah. That's tough. Tough, man. Uh
3: Skoronsky's been tough and he didn't practice today. He's trying to come back. Lucas, have you got the audio, Jim Wyatt catching up with Peter Skoronsky after practice? It's kind of the condensed thing where it's like all of his answers to all the questions. But uh, Peter Skoronsky after practice today, speaking to the media.
4: Yeah, that sucks a lot. A couple rough days there, but um, definitely made a ton of strides since then. So happy with that and obviously just kind of keep pressing. Yeah, just kind of trusting everybody um, and, and with our training staff and our strength staff. Um, and what they do, and then I trust in their plan and just following that as much as I can, and, and doing what I can do. No, I think like I said, like I just said, I mean it's just kind of a day by day thing, and what I can handle, um, and, and, as as my you know as I progress and how how that feels. So you know in terms of timetable, it's just how, what I wake up and feel like every single day. You know, like, it's definitely frustrating. Um, you know, obviously as a young guy, you want to get as many live balls as you can, and obviously missing games like this sucks for me. Um, so that's definitely frustrating. You want to be on the field as soon as possible. Um, but you also don't want to be out there in a position where you can't, you know, do the right thing for your team and perform for your team. Um, so it's just kind of finding that balance. Um, but, yeah, frustrating not to hold you back as soon as possible. Was this your first-
3: that's Peter Skoronsky with a variety of answers to a variety of questions. There was a tweet earlier from Teron Davenport who said, and let me find this, of Peter Skaronsky, because they interviewed him. It's just the thing where there's a scrum of people around his locker. Uh, The tweet from Teron Davenport, Peter Skaronsky said his appendix ruptured, and they caught it at St. Thomas Ascension Hospital. Mm. So that was, most everybody else has an audio clip, but those are actual words tweeted by Teron, kind of repeating what Skaronsky said. So maybe that would explain why we're a couple weeks now into this. Because when it happened, you... Happened to point out, Blake, that uh, the ice, fire, and ice. Mark Rob got his taken out; didn't burst, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to play on Sunday." Um, he played the same week, just within days, right? It happened.
1: He's not in the trenches, but I will have to say, he was not the normal Mark Rob. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he was not—he was not iced that day. He—he was needing some ice. Was cool, yeah. He was needing some ice. Yeah, uh, yeah, but what the, do you
3: cover something like that with? Oh, I have no idea. I wasn't around. I know if he had I, the flak jacket and, and the ace I bandage. Didn't and
1: look, I didn't want to know. Really I big band said, You are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's internal. This is one thing you got an arm and you can like, oh, you see the injury and every That's internal. I, 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 hey, man. I don't know what. No. Mm-mm. I would have been standing. Uh, I'm tough, but I'm nah. Mm-mm. Couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey John, internal is
3: me. If I'm sick, I'll fight through that. Yeah, but if, if something's bleeding on the inside,
1: uh, uh, I'm probably gonna go ahead and sit this one out. Yeah, bro. Yeah,
3: uh, there's man, lots it, of stuff in there
1: that's it, important too. You had to be like a Super Bowl or something, you know, Super a playoff Bowl game. All bets something. are off. Yeah, yeah ready to see it? uh Nah, man. I, I'll be ready to go until we and I'll be fully healthy and back to normal.
3: But like week six versus you know New Orleans, I'm probably gonna go ahead and let my insides
1: heal. Uh uh-uh. Yeah. And that guy just, like, run by me. Ain't nobody saying, oh, he got his appendix. They never, <laughs> nobody is saying that. No, nope. They said you played. No, You're no, supposed no, to play. Yeah. yeah. Because we like, man, Blaine got toasted, man. He looked horrible. I, like, but you know he had surgery. He had his appendix two days ago. That's right. pretty good effort. No. no. Ain't nobody no effort.
3: <laughs> John and Kane Ridge made a nice effort to call the show. Let's reward that. He's got a question for Blaine. Hey, hey John. Ridge.
5: Hey, bud. Hey, uh, yeah. thanks for taking the call, Blaine. I just wanted to tell you something. Uh, There are not many, if any, of the type of mentality that's a positive thing uh, when you played football and then the ones that are playing football today. Yeah, yeah, it's totally different. Uh, The thing that bothers me, bud, is they're pros. They get paid like pros. They are not performing like pros. Mm -hmm. So the thing that's got to happen is – Vrabel is part of the problem, and no, I'm not wanting to get rid of him, mm-hmm. but I do want him to take the band-aid off of these damn practices. Uh, you got guys out there that are taking days off to rest them. You got and and I'm not a pro, I don't know. That's why I'm wanting to talk to you. Is it just drives me crazy when I hear, well, he's taking a day off to rest. But yet we've lost nine out of 10 or eight out of 10, whatever that number is. Uh, They know as the old boy says, they ain't no breaks. So we turn it around. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I think each uh, case is his own individual case. When you're talking about somebody's injury and now naturally you're going to give grace uh, to an elite player who performs at a high level and he's playing through an injury Mm -hmm. and you say, okay, well, we need to rest him. Uh, kind of like D-Hop. He's dealing with an ankle injury. We don't know the extent of it. He's not practicing, you know, and then all of a sudden he shows up on game day and he's good enough and available to play. Mm. So I think that's a different situation. Uh, but uh, in the NFL, there's a lot of that that goes on in today's world. It did with us to a certain extent, you know, and I would have surgery and practice all week and then play uh, McNair. There, there was all kind of guys like that. I think... It's a younger generation, more money. I think the league has done a lot better job of uh, identifying, like, hey, you know, if you should be practicing or playing in a game to protect the players from Mm -hmm. themselves, by the way. Uh, So I'm not really concerned about a guy who shows up on game day that is not practicing as a professional. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you know what you get. But there are some who you know, they don't practice. They're not going to play well. And so then, you know, that's where the coaching comes in is, say, you got to know who and identify those players. Right. And that's that's through really the training staff. Everybody's kind of working together to understand what player is and their position. And if they can continue to play and not make themselves hurt anymore. I think that's kind of the situation with uh, Burks, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't think he can make his injury. I'm sure if he gets hit on it, he can make it worse. But, uh, you know, or tweak it. But. You know, you think, okay, he can survive and can he be productive and still help the team? Um, so that's not a, as big as concern for me. Uh, ultimately, as a fan, you want guys just to show up on game day and play. And if they're ready to go, let them rock and roll. If they just got a little bit of practice, uh, depending on the injury and the person, then that's okay too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you got to know your players yeah. though. You really do. And you don't want to set a tone for a young player who is not proven himself in this league. Mm -hmm. That is what I would be more concerned with than anything else in half of the league now is young. I mean, what do you say? You had like, I don't know, 40% change on the roster, 30-something high, 30%, which goes on every week. And that's what you got to deal with when you have a young team. Uh, And they made those choices and, and changes, and they got to live with them.
3: We got to live with uh, Jordan Dejani. He's going to jump in with us and deliver some uh, top notch NFL knowledge. Lots going on around the league. Also, uh, Dave Lillard got traded to the Bucks today. People letting us know that. We we knew about it.
1: Watch that. It's that time.
3: Dame time. <laughs> Dame what... time and a Greek freak. That's going to be fun to watch. Oui. And it'll be here before you know it. And so will Jordan Dejani
0: searching hvac near here right here ma'am how can we help wow nobody local huh wait what we are an hvac company literally in your neighborhood why is she not seeing us
5: just all the big chains well it is what it is
0: what in the can you not see see
3: us nope they can't see you because you're buried deep in the list of local hvac providers you are invisible online Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at cumulusboost.com.
0: Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose, to be fair and just. To do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. And who's next?
3: Make you 1045 the zone. Let's talk some NFL football here with our man Jordan DeJani, who jumps on with us this same time every Wednesday. What's going on, JD?
2: Yo, oh, yo, my friends, what's going on? I am doing well. Hope you guys are doing well as well. Thanks for having me on the program this afternoon.
3: Do you have any nightmares this week about Miles Garrett? Because I bet Andre Miller did.
2: <laughs> yeah, I had a bunch of nightmares of being attacked by elves. I uh, the, <laughs> the great Jamar Chase, who was basically the William Shakespeare of our generation. Yeah, talk about a tough outing, man. I mean, the offensive line really struggled. The quarterback play struggled. The play calling struggled. The offense as a whole really struggled. So, you know, I hope that this is just a throwaway game. I'd like to see Tennessee bounce back against Cincinnati at home this week. We'll see what happens.
3: Were you surprised the, uh the spread when you saw the opening spread for this game?
2: Uh, with the Titans-Bengals? Yeah. Let me let me see. I'll pull it up right here. Two. Yeah, two points. Two points is definitely surprises me a little bit. I'm not an odds maker, but if I was – i probably list this at around three and a half, give the hook towards the Bengals. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. But historically, Mike Rabel has been really, really good as an underdog. That, of course, did not show itself in Cleveland. But you look at the first two weeks of the season, he covered against the Saints despite the loss. He covered and upset the Chargers in overtime. Now, as a home dog, you really have to be careful with teams like that if you're a Vegas odds maker. So, to answer your question, yeah, I'm probably a little bit surprised that it's uh, just that two points. But... We're only at Wednesday, so I'm kind of interested to see Mm. which way this line moves as the week progresses.
3: Our line moves every Wednesday to call Jordan DeJani, and he is on with us now at Jordan DeJani on Twitter. CBS Sports is where you can read all about it.
1: Well, Jordan, the Bengals have gotten us the last three times. I guess based off what you saw here on Monday night uh, with the borough and the defense of the Bengals, How do you see this matchup uh, playing out versus the Titans? Do you see the Titans having an edge anywhere or in certain areas or not? And, man, I'm just a little baffled now. It seems like the Bengals have our number.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Ryan Tannehill's actually lost five straight games versus the Bengals, while Joe Burrow is 3-0 versus the Titans, which I'm Mm. sure many remember at this point. Um, Both teams have scored just three offensive touchdowns this year, I believe. That's tied for last in the NFL. And the Bengals are averaging the fewest yards per play this year at 4.0. By the way, Tennessee's not ahead by much at 4.3 yards per play. Now, what's interesting is that Joe Burrow is averaging 4.7 yards per attempt this season, which are the third fewest by a quarterback through three games over the last 20 seasons of the NFL. He has as many completions as interceptions, throwing 15 yards down the field in 2023. But as we saw this past, well, I guess Monday night, Burrow's getting the ball out at a quick rate, right? And teams are not blitzing him this season. He's being blitzed at the fifth lowest rate in the league. So when it comes to the Titans defense, you're going to have different options with how to attack this, right? I mean, you're going to have to really patrol the second level, watch for those screens, those bubble screens, those slants across the middle, while at the same time protecting yourself against the home run ball, which Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are very capable of striking as well. So I do have faith in Mike Rabel for what he's going to scheme up, but the issue and the element of pressure, in this matchup and how Tennessee can bring it with their front four against Joe Burrow is going to be something that I think a lot of people will be talking about as the week goes on.
1: Man, what <clears throat> what's going on with the Jags and, and Lawrence, I guess, the, the last game? Uh, they're not in rhythm or in sync. Uh, have you watched them uh, closely?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, man. The, the Texans came out like a team on fire. It was really cool to see them step up. I'm starting to become a a bit of a fan of the Texans with how CJ Stroud's playing. But when it comes to the Jaguars itself, I mean, they they try to put some, they try to put a focus on running the ball when really I think that the Jags have found success over the last year by passing the ball with Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. All those new weapons they brought in last year helped carry them to the playoffs in 2022. So, I think you hit the nail on the head with the offense being a little bit out of rhythm. That's something I think will correct itself as the year goes on. But, man, the Texans came out as the team with more energy in that AFC South matchup. And, plus, let's not ignore that Trevor Lawrence has really struggled against Houston. I think he's 1-4 versus Mm -hmm. the Texans. He's been favored in all four of those losses against Houston. And probably the craziest stat that I've ever seen is that Trevor Lawrence has yet to cover the spread as a home uh, favorite. The the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence have not covered the spread with them as being home favorites yet in his short career. So I made the Texans a best bet last week at nine and a half points, and sure enough, that covered. So the Jaguars are are still a talented team. We all understand this. I think the defense may be just a little bit overrated, but I imagine that Doug Peterson's going to get this team back on the right track soon enough.
1: Let's go on the other side there. C.J. Stroud looking uh, really good. Uh, I think he has the third most yards in as a rookie in his first uh, three games in NFL history. So that shows you how well he is playing. I mean, what do you think of the Texans? I mean, it seems like it's early on, but man, anybody's up to win the AFC South. That's what I'm getting to.
2: Yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, did we have the AFC South upside down? Right? Is it the Texans oh. and the Colts that are the two team, oh best teams God. in the division? No, I'm just kidding. It's too early to say that. But, I mean, if we're power-ranking the teams through three weeks, you know, you could argue that the Texans and Colts are on top. But, yeah, man, I can't overstate how impressed I am by C.J. Stroud. I think he went 20 of 30 for 280 yards, two touchdowns against the Jacks. As you mentioned, 906 career passing yards. That's the third most through three career games in NFL history. He's the only player with 900 passing yards and zero interceptions um, in his first career game since 1950. Another interesting stat, he's the youngest player in NFL history to throw for those 900 passing yards and zero interceptions in any three-game span. He surpassed Patrick Mahomes in that metric. Mm. So C.J. Stroud, man, he's processing the field better as a rookie than I thought he was or thought he would. He's been impressive making the throws he needs to throw. Um, He's been impressive with some of these sideline passes. He's really trusting his weapons. He's playing confident football. And I think that's a really big takeaway for a rookie quarterback, which is a very tough job, right? Three games into his NFL career. So I think he should be the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I'm kind of excited to see how he progresses throughout the rest of his rookie campaign.
1: Mm. There you have it, Jordan DeGeney, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Jordan, if I gave you $100
3: and you could tell me the true answer to this, what is the Titans' offensive identity?
2: Oh my goodness, you know, it's funny. They're they're still trying to figure it out, right? They've gone through Mm -hmm. three games here. We've seen some interesting wrinkles, but when it came to the Browns matchup, this was going to be the matchup where we were going to see how offensive coordinator Tim Kelly was going to adjust to pressure, right? Not only pressure on the quarterback, but also being down double digits on the road. How was the play calling going to shift? And I feel like we didn't exactly see a huge shift in getting away from the run Getting those downfield shots because everything was discombobulated with the pressure that Miles Garrett and company were bringing on the offensive line. So I don't know the answer to that question because I still think it's a it's a work in progress. I mean, obviously Derrick Henry is going to be one of the biggest pillars on your offense, and you're going to try to run the the scheme through that. But man, DeAndre Hopkins is a is a really good weapon as well. And, CBS Sports Research actually reached out to me and gave me a very troubling stat. Oh, boy. Ryan Tannehill, yeah, listen to this. Ryan Tannehill is 14 of 25 for 153 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 40.9 passer rating when targeting DeAndre Hopkins this season. That's the worst rating among 17 duos with 20 or more passing attempts this season. So the dynamic duo that we saw in training camp has yet to manifest itself. And I feel like that's going to be something Tim Kelly is going to be working on as the year goes on.
3: Oh, man. I I got a rebound from that last answer there. That was... woo.
2: Yeah, sorry Uh, about that. That's okay.
3: (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're talking about the Titans being troubled on offense. The Bears are troubled on offense. What in the world do the Bears need to do at quarterback and everything else... And at some point, why not just tell Justin Fields, like, hey, man, we're going to go back to let you run in it for 120 yards a game as long as you can last doing that.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you know more than the Bears coaching staff at this point. I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. And I'll tell you this. I mean, we're only in week three, but it seemed like things almost came to a head in Kansas City, right? I mean, going down, what was it, like 35-0 at halftime, Taylor Swift's in the building pumping everybody up the Bears had absolutely no answers for anything on offense or defense as well. So, and you know, it's been a common theme this year. Just, Justin Fields is being used incorrectly when it comes to play action, when it comes to getting outside the pocket, when it comes to scheduled runs and then their defense has been so bad that the Bears offense has been operating behind the eight ball in most of the games they've played so far. I don't know what the answer is. I feel like there's going to be some major shakeups ups the not, in, not in the front office, but with the coaching staff, um, this year with Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator, um, with Matt Eberflus, the head coach, who, by the way, still thinks that that breakthrough is right around the corner for Chicago. But with what I've seen so far, it's hard to imagine Chicago getting any better. Um, you know, they have a decent opportunity to get that first win this week against the Denver Broncos, who were completely run off the field by the mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins. I think that this is This this matchup between the Broncos and Bears is like the fifth matchup since 1970 to feature two teams that both lost by at least 30 points the week prior. So this is kind of the battle of, let's call it the toilet bowl, if you want, the Broncos versus the Bears. That'll be an interesting game to watch this weekend.
3: Yeah, you also got Vikings and uh, Panthers. Both of them are defeated so far as well. So uh, (laughs) it's a shame someone will have to leave the field with a W on that one. Jordan DeJani, our guest here on Blade & Mickey.
1: Well, let's stick with Denver. Uh, man, what's going on there? Uh, the defense gave up 70 points. I don't know how much that was on the offense. A lot of people are saying Russ didn't play, you know, bad. Like, you know, he was okay. I don't know. I didn't watch the game. What do you see out of the offense with Sean Payton leading the hand with Russ? Wilson? Yeah, so Russ has been better
2: than last year but that's not a hot take. I mean, he was absolutely absolutely terrible last year. So he's been okay, he's been better, but he still hasn't been good enough in my opinion. Mm. And what's fascinating is that we walked into this 2023 season expecting Russ in this offense to have the backing of one of the most elite defenses in the NFL. The Broncos were top five in the many metrics yeah. last season. I don't know what happened. They have a new defensive coordinator in Vance Joseph Listen, I'm not I'm not quick to pull the trigger on firing coaches, but after a performance like that, that was more of a track meet than it was a football game. You know, you got to start making changes because it seems like you've lost the locker room. It seems like you've lost the defensive side of the ball. There was poor uh, pursuit angles. There was no tackling. Players didn't know what was going on. They were getting tricked by any kind of uh, play action that that, that that was out there. So, the Broncos are absolutely falling apart and it's tough because, you know, Russ is definitely getting a lot of the blame, but at the same time, he hasn't exactly been that bad. The offense hasn't been trash compared to where it was in 2022 in Denver. It's been the defense that's been letting down this team. So, that's the reason that the Broncos are sitting at
1: zero three. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of trash, I'm sure a lot of people in New York are saying Zach Wilson <laughs> needs to go get in the trash. Unfortunately, man, what is going on? Trevor Simeon to the yeah. rescue? Really? Come on. <laughs> Oh, oh no. my
2: goodness. Oh man. You know, I apologize to your great <laughs> listeners if I sound like a broken record, because once again, it's a Wednesday and Jordan's on the phone talking about how the Jets need to do something different at quarterback. Zach Wilson's not the answer. Now we all understand that. But for some reason, Robert Sala and the Jets front office, they don't understand that. And I do, I do understand that, you know, you have to back up your own guy. You can't just absolutely throw him away and destroy his confidence once and for all with all the things he's been through. But the Jets had Super Bowl aspirations coming into this season. Now, the most important player at the most important position went down. You really need to scramble to see if you can find a replacement that can at least be a, an accurate distributor of the football um, to keep you on that playoff course. And Zach Wilson has proven over the past three years now that he's been, been unable to do so. So it really does surprise me, and I know it really irks the Jets fans and the Jets media that the, the coaching staff continues to stick by this guy who unfortunately just isn't up to the task. Now all of a sudden the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs are coming into town this week. It's hard to imagine things getting better before they get worse. You know, they really need to peruse the trade market, in my opinion. I don't know if that's Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if that's Kirk Cousins, but – I think that the Jets need to do something to get this season back on course before all things are
1: lost. Well, I'm hearing they even turned down like Matty Ice and Carson Wentz and guys like that are actually not playing, but probably could be efficient. Uh, What are your thoughts on guys like that?
2: Yeah, so um, CBS Sports, we can confirm that Matt Ryan's agent reached out to the Jets, but it sounds like Matt Ryan isn't too fascinated by the opportunity. I'm pretty sure he's looking at that offensive line, and he's not attracted to playing football behind that poor protection. As for Carson Wentz, uh, yeah, there's been reports that he reached out to the Jets. Now, Carson Wentz is not exactly a free agent pickup that would bring confidence to the fan base. I think that he could be better than Zach Wilson. I'll give you that, but... You know, if, if you're going to make an addition at quarterback, I would look at a trade target as opposed to Carson Wentz. But, yes, Colin Kaepernick's reached out to the Jets. That's Carson mm-hmm. Wentz, they all, they all try to reach out to the Jets. But they are not interested in making any major quarterback shakeup right now. As you mentioned, they, they signed Trevor Simeon to the practice squad. He's someone who's familiar with the organization. He actually started a game for them a few years ago. And at this point, it seems like that's the only move they're focused on making at the most important position for their team.
1: Well, let's talk about a quarterback that's done really well, uh, even though the record doesn't show it. That is Mr. Dobbs. Couldn't buy
3: his own jersey in yeah, the pro shop. Yeah,
1: man. Come on, man. We got to give him his props, man. Uh, liked him when he's here, what he did in the little short stint he was here, and then he's continued that momentum. And uh, they've been in every game, but uh, finally got him a win against the Cowboys.
2: How cool is that, man? I yeah. don't know. I- I'm starting to turn into a Cardinals fan. I think. I mean, mm. everyone expected this to be the worst team in the NFL. But, man, they have shown some fight on both sides of the ball, right? Mm -hmm. And through three weeks, they've actually led in every single game they've played. So this team is not tanking. They're not rolling over for anybody. And you brought it up, Josh Dots, who I know everybody out there listening right now is very familiar with. He seems like he's playing with a different element of swag and a different level of energy with this opportunity with the Cardinals, which you absolutely love to see. Um, He's one of four quarterbacks. That have started all three games this year that hasn't thrown an interception yet. It's him, Josh Dobbs, Justin Herbert, Brock Purdy, and C.J. Stroud. Those are the only starting quarterbacks that have yet to throw an interception this season, and I'm excited to see what they can do this year, uh, this week against the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. I know that San Francisco is probably going to win that game, but hey, the spread right now is 14 points. That sounds maybe just a little bit high for a team that wants this win very badly.
1: With the, lastly before we let you go, we, we gotta talk about something that was was funny. I I didn't see it, but people were talking about it. Mac Jones punched the sauce <laughs> in his groin. Did you see this? And then they're saying he should get fined for it or you know, since I don't think he got a penalty. I don't know what happened or transpired there. I don't know if you even heard about this. Yes.
2: Yeah, so according to reports, the NFL is indeed investigate, investigating this uh this this punch, this grab, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I did see a video on social media that had a pretty good angle, but it looked like it was filmed on a calculator, so I couldn't really (laughs) tell exactly what happened. Um, So the NFL needs evidence if they're going to hand down some kind of fine to Mac Jones. And, you know, if you talk to any player, they'll tell you that, you know, Mac Jones has just a little bit of a reputation for maybe being a quote-unquote dirty player a little bit. Uh, You saw Sauce Gardner, you know, shove Mac Jones after the alleged incident, which, would be an appropriate reaction if what he claims actually did transpire. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I did not see a clear enough view to tell you exactly what happened, but I don't think that Sauce Gardner is going to step up to a microphone and just lie to the NFL world that Mac Jones did something he didn't do. So we'll see what the NFL does, but I can tell you that according to reports they are investigating this.
3: Mac Jones giving a whole new effect to the phrase hitting the sauce. Uh, J.D., thank you, man. (laughs) Appreciate the time today.
2: Absolutely. Appreciate
3: you guys. Yes, sir. Always great catching up with yeah, Jordan and Shani. You, baby. All right. There's another football question that I have, but I have it for you two guys. Rich Eisen went on a long rant about something a team is doing, and he doesn't like it. I want to ask you guys what you think of a specific thing that a specific thing is doing that has a lot of people's attention. Next. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm, that thing. Blaine and Mickey went on 4-5 the zone. Saw this lengthy rant. It was too long to even play. It was like nine minutes of him griping about the tush-push that the Eagles do. Where they line up oh, in the rugby yeah, yeah, they would
1: complain after the Super Bowl. Oh, my, my
3: gosh. God. He's still complaining about it. Do, do you guys, he what, don't think, he doesn't, is Rich Isaac. Oh, Rich Isaac. Yeah, he Eisen doesn't did. think the play should be legal. Oh, my. He doesn't think that play should be legal. Come on. <laughs> It was nine minutes, and I kept thinking, "Okay, he's going to have some like hard hitting." So I like Rich Eisen. I'm I'm not speaking illegal. Oh, Rich I do Eisen. too.
1: But what was I can disagree with his opinion? What is his rationale the Why it should be illegal? He didn't tell us. He said, "I'm trying to figure out." I wrote down so
3: many things about this. His thing was essentially that he said. It was ugly. It was impossible to stop. And I'm like, well, anything. It's impossible to stop. I'd just keep running it if I was them. And, mm-hmm. you know, he said, well, some teams couldn't do it. Well, that's, the, uh, that's some teams' problems. And he's like, you know, some teams don't have the quarterback that could do it.
1: Did you see the Browns? They, used they, they
3: put, put tight a tiny in at quarterback on Wildcat plays. Like, nothing that he said held water on this. Where I, I think if you can come up with a play that nobody can stop, and as long as the formation is legal, What's where's well, I the thought problem? you were going
1: to say he was going to say, hey, this is, you know, creating too much uh, head trauma or something with all the players, and it, sh- it should be a legal play. And you know what? It really is like a rugby play. Yes. That's what it is. It's a rugby play. So, and maybe that's why he doesn't like it, but it is. It, watching the Super Bowl and the Eagles doing it, I felt like it was an unstoppable deal. And if it's unstoppable, why not just keep running it? I, you know, so I'm, I'm. I'm okay with them running the play. I mean, Lucas, what, what do you think? I
3: mean, I love
1: anything that's uh, old school
3: footballish like that—just running and everybody knows you're going to run to get an inch.
1: I think eventually, you only reason why you'll stop is maybe something happens to your own quarterback. Yep, and gets and that's on you, right? So I, I really don't have an issue with it. Yeah. I don't know why maybe other people have it on TV or people don't like it because it was in the Super Bowl and they ran it. I don't know. At least. Three or four times, man. <laughs> the Eagles, and they keep running it. And it keeps making the first down. It's or going, a touchdown.
3: Uh, yes, every time it does, it's, a, it's whatever they're trying to do with it, it doesn't. And honestly, I think if I was inside the three, I'd consider running it like down on a goal like play to move the pile, although the other team's going to throw the biggest humans they have at you. But still... This thing has been unstoppable for the Eagles. And he was citing, again, the aesthetics. And not every team has somebody who can do it or a quarterback that can do it. And I thought, we just watched the Browns line up number, what, 88 back there. Okay, he's going to just run this. Same thing. So it's a copycat league. I'm honestly surprised more teams haven't tried to do something similar to that. I mean, the Chargers, nobody goes for it on fourth. More than them, I can't believe they haven't done it.
1: Well, what's going to happen is a defensive coach is going to figure out how to stop it. And when I say that is you can move all like three or four big guys right there in a row, right in front of your quarterback Mm -hmm. where they've been running these plays, right offside your, you know, your guard or your center right there. And then you have them, I'm talking about 340 pound guys, your big, big slobber knockers, and you have them dive at the knees of the offensive lineman. <laughs> and you then cause a pile, mm. which they cannot move. It's an immovable force. It's like moving, you know, when you know when your dog decides it doesn't want to walk anymore, yeah. and it just goes down and goes, I'm not moving. <laughs> well, that's what happens with a big human being that's 340, and he dies at your knees, and then next thing you know, he's on the ground, and you're laying on top of him, and it makes a pile. Mm. And then you bring those linebackers that love to hunt and can't wait to hit that. Quarterback, and you have him, uh, spear him. <laughs> <laughs> just take turns at him. <laughs> you thought about nah, this? It then, sounds like no. I just, I didn't know you to ask this <laughs> question. <laughs> I was just joking on the spear part. Now, I, I would then have them attack the quarterback because he's going to have somewhat forward motion. But if you stack it up where he can't even get leverage to move with the the big bears that you then dove at the ankles, mm-hmm. then you have a shot. Guess what? This is what we did against Beach. The same thing. They have humongous offensive linemen. They have SEC-level size players. We have Blaine bishop size (laughs) D-tackles. And we told them to dive at their ankles, cause a pile, and then we'll stop them in the backfield. And that's exactly what happened. Probably a little easier said than done in high school compared to pro, of course. Uh, But it worked. Hats off to Burks. And McAllister uh, and uh, all the coaching staff there in Stenham at Independence because it worked. We we took our cornerbacks off the field. Well, we're
3: about to take ourselves off the field here because we got to go, (laughs) and it's time for 3HL. So, in the meantime, in between time,
0: peace. Peace. searching hvac near here right here ma'am how can we help wow nobody local huh wait what we are an hvac company literally in your neighborhood why is she not seeing us
5: just all the big chains well it is what it is
0: what in the can you not see See us? us
3: nope they can't see you because you're buried deep in the list of local hvac providers you are invisible online Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at cumulusboost.com.